Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 214 of the Ankeny Fanatic Weekly Podcast. As always, is brought to our good friends at Coldwell Banker MidAmerica. Coldwell Banker is rooted in the legacy of our founder, renowned businessman and philanthropist, Marvin Pomeranz. We continue to tell his story through our love of people, homes, and the communities we serve. Our integrity guides are focused to empower people to make the best real estate decisions possible. We pair local ownership and knowledge with the power of an international brand and the most advanced technology to elevate the customer experience and expectations. Our network of resources allows us to be the number one Coldwell Banker franchise affiliate in Iowa, guiding you home for over 30 years. We're going to talk some postseason basketball tonight with both of the boys' coaches at Ankeny and Ankeny Centennial. We will also preview the girls' state basketball tournament with one of the stars of the Centennial squad. But right now, my first guest is the head coach of the Ankeny boys' team. He has guided the Hawks to a 9-14 record, and his team opened postseason play on Monday with a 76-52 victory over Ottumwa in a Class 4A substate quarterfinal. Ankeny will now play at Ames in a substate semifinal on Friday. He's Brant Carlson. Brant, thanks for joining me. How are you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me again. Hey, you bet. Well, I mostly want to look ahead, but let's just uh, touch briefly on the Atoma game the other night. Uh, you guys got 27 points from Leo Aguirre and 21 from Carson uh, Johnson in the win. And I asked Leo this question after the game. I'll ask you, too. Do you think it was good for you guys to ha- have to play that first-round game just to kind of keep that positive momentum going? It, it was, especially with our regular season ending, you know, the Tuesday before and just to kind of get your feet wet in the tournament play. And it was nice to see uh, – our two leading scorers play well, and other guys really stepped up and made a good team win for us. Well, Leo has now averaged 21.5 points over the last four games, and Carson is averaging 20.3 points during your team's uh, current three-game winning streak. So it seems like those two guys are playing some of their best basketball this season, and that's just you know what you're going to need in these next couple of games if you want to keep advancing, isn't it? For sure. Your best players need to play well, and uh, I think our team really understands that, getting them the ball in the right positions. and. You know, again, you have to have other players play well, too, though, to balance things out so defenses can't just load up. So it's been a really good team improvement and just fun watching the guys come together. Well, now you guys get a rematch against Ames, the defending Class 4A state champion. Uh, your team did go up there on December 9th, and you posted a 64-50 to 50 victory as both Leo and Carson scored 16 points. And I know a lot has changed since then, but, you know, can you take some things away from uh, away from that game? I think anytime you have success against a team, you know, your, your players are, are confident, you know, and they've had that experience to take that road trip and play in that gym and all those things. So, yeah, absolutely, your history does help a little bit. But it is a new team that we have right now as far as all of our players being available. And I'm sure Ames is strong, too. So it's, it's going to be a fun one. Well, Lucas Luth is the lone returning starter from last year's state championship team, and he is averaging 11.8 points, 5.3 rebounds, and 3.1 blocks. But you guys were able to hold him to just seven points on three shots in the first meeting. I'm not sure what your strategy was, but Mm -hmm. it was obviously successful, wasn't it? It it worked. I mean, it's one of those things that sometimes things work, sometimes they don't. But I think he's uh, he's one of the best high school defenders uh, we've ever played against, and so he's a guy that you got to watch. He's a very good shooter, too. So it's just a guy that we got to definitely pay attention to, and we all have some guys ready to go for sure. Yeah, he's one of the longest guys out there, isn't he? No doubt. (laughs) Well, Deshaun Long led the little Cyclones in that game with 22 points, and Leo told me after the game the other night that Deshaun is one of the key guys that you'll have to shut down. But I noticed in in Ames' stats that he's played in only seven games this season. I don't think he's played in a while. So is he out for the season or something? We we haven't heard the the story on that, and I never want to assume anything. So it's a situation where he could be back, but um, no, he hasn't played for quite a while. And you know, at the end of the day, he is a very good player. So you got to be aware of everyone on the scouting report, and and they have other players too. You know, winners and uh, Poe and a few other guys that are playing well, young young freshman point guards. So Coach uh, Downs up there knows what he's doing. So we'll we'll be ready for whatever they bring at us. Well, Long must be a pretty good player. Was he kind of taking over Lipsy's role early on? I would say that to a certain degree, just a score. I mean, he was just a really athletic guy, and 
um, scored well against us in that first game. You know, he's, he's a lot more athletic than he looked on film, and he was the real deal, young guy. But, um, yeah, it's again, we don't know for sure what's going to go on there, but, again, we have to be prepared for him. Like you mentioned, Ames certainly has some other talented players because even without him, uh, most of the season they've compiled a 15-7 and record. Uh, they shared the championship of the new Iowa Alliance North Conference. Uh, Jack Winter had 17 points in the first game, and he's made 48 three-point goals uh, while leading the team with a 14.2 average. You know, So he, he's probably kind of the main guy that you have to be concerned about, isn't he? He's one of their main guards, and he played a ton on their team last year. I mean, I think just getting that championship experience helps a young guy, you know, be ready to go and left-handed, um, but can go either direction, shoots the three well. So, I mean, it's just, you know, they, they run a challenging offense where they're very patient and they'll grind you out. And so, you know, a big key for us is trying to, you know, play well, obviously, offensively, and that helps your defense to get the lead and make them come to you a little bit. Well, if they don't have long, that certainly hurts uh, their depth. But you guys have also had to deal with some injuries and illnesses this season. Sure. And right now you've been without uh, Jason Williams for the last uh, three games, I think. You know, did he hurt his hand again? Is that what I heard? Yeah, it was against Valley. I think he, we thought he broke it again. And he's trying his best to rehab. And we'll kind of see where he's at tomorrow. But, you know, he, he's been a key guy last half of the year, really played hard and, and well for us. And, yeah, it's been a year of adversity. But I think at the end of the day, it's, it's kind of neat to see your team come together as a group and, and, and just find their own niche, you know, as far as the successes that they've been able to achieve. And at the end of the day, we're proud of them and proud of their growth. And our team is really, I think, playing their best basketball, the most confident and, and playing for each other, which is always a key. Well, yeah, your team was actually without uh, both Jason and Jameson Patton for that first game at Ames. So you're probably more healthy now than you were then. Uh, Devin Akers gave you a big lift in that game with 11 points and eight rebounds. And you guys really dominated the battle of the boards, 33 to 17. Mm -hmm. Do you think being able to do that again, you know, would go a long way towards being able to duplicate that outcome? Yeah, anytime you can rebound and take away second chance points, I mean, that's, that's going to be a huge factor. And it's something we've struggled with at times. And I think all of our guys are, you know, with we do a great job, I think, late in the year with all of our coaches coming together and, and really working on our fundamentals again and really breaking things down. And, and again, we feel like we get better in February and March, and that's historically what we try to do, and we're, we're trying it again. Well, you guys also went 11 of 26 from three-point range in that game, and that's well above your season average uh, from behind the arc, which is right about 34%. You know, I'm sure you'd take another 11 of 26 uh, shooting performance right now, wouldn't you? Anytime. That's right. <laughs> Well, I'm planning to be up in Ames for the game, and I haven't had a chance to see the new gym yet. Uh, I know the old place could get pretty loud and could be pretty intimidating at times for opposing teams. Yeah. What do you think of that new gym up there? It's nice. It has, a, to me, a feel similar to Southeast Polk. It's a little down in the down under, you know, in the sense mm -hmm. you have to come down to it. So, yeah, they, they've done a really nice job, and, you know, with honoring Harrison Barnes, too. It's, it's a really cool thing. I'm sure for their program it's a big, a big lift, you know, to the kids and excitement to be there. Well, the winner of this game will play either fifth-ranked Indianola or Linmar Marion in the sub-state final on Tuesday. Now, you've already seen both of those teams. Uh, you dropped a 62-55 to 55, uh, 55 decision to Indianola on December 12th. And then earlier this month, you guys beat uh, Linmar 69-65, to 65, and that game was played at Valley. Now, on paper, it looks like Indianola would be a heavy favorite. They've only lost two games all year. But do you give Linmar much of a chance in that game? I do because of really their, their coach and his, his history there, um, a, a ton of success. Um, they have three sophomores that are really good, and they got a six-eight sophomore that's their best guy, and I, he is a load to handle. And he scored 16 against us, and we did everything we could to not let him touch the ball. And he was—he's just good. He can shoot it from three. He can go inside and post. He rebounds well. So you know, on the road for them, long trip. I mean, we'll see. But I, I definitely give him a chance because of those intangibles that they bring offensively and their length, and kind of provide a different style of play. You know, that Indianola brings and. It'll be a battle. It'll be, it'll be a good game like many of our you know, uh, semifinal sub-state games will be. 
Wendy Knoll has a couple of really good players and Drew Kingery and Braden Drea. Braden, of course, uh, used to play for you before transferring down there. Mm -hmm. And I know when the substate assignments came out, Carson told me that he was really looking forward to the possibility, you know, of playing Indianola again. Sure. And I know you guys have to get through tomorrow games first, but uh, obviously that's a matchup that your guys would love to be a part of, wouldn't it? Yeah, anytime, you know, for young players, you know, kids that they know, you know, they want to have a chance to go at them again. And um, they came to our place in December and played very well. And they got a good team and they've been together for three years ultimately. And, you know, it, it's a veteran group of guys that plays really hard, you know, and so they're, they're, they're going to be a challenge and they've beaten a lot of good teams this year. And, um, but no, it, it, you're right. We got to focus on Friday and take it one at a time. And, um, but that's the fun thing about high school sports, you know, especially in Iowa, you get to know all these kids through AAU and club stuff. And these kids just want to go battle against the best. And it's, it's, it's fun to watch them. Well, I know Kingery missed about eight games earlier this season, but I see he's back now. So he must have been injured for a while or something? I think he had a high ankle sprain. You know, early in the season, he was dealing with a wrist injury, so coming out of football. So he's a tough guy, a good athlete, and, you know, he brings a, a lot of problems, you know, to the defense, and, and Braden as well, who's played at a very high level, you know, this whole year. And their other players have just really stepped up and been consistent. Uh, the Blake kid's been really good. So, yeah, they're a tough team. You know, they're well coached too, mix things up and can score a ton of points. So I think in the high school game, when you're scoring in the 70s and 80s, I don't care what level you're playing, you're, you're, you're a solid group. So, yeah, we'll see. I'd love to get to it. Yeah, I don't know how many kids that Casey Blake has, but it seems like they can all play. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's his nephew, I think. But yeah, oh, is that, it? that whole family, yeah, it's full of athletes for sure. Well, if we do get an Ankeny versus Indian all matchup, do you have any idea where that game would be played? You know, East High maybe? <laughs> Could be East, could be Southeast Polk, could be DCG. They've always been nice to us to host over there. You know, the problem is you have so many 4A schools that are going to be in substate games potentially with Valley and all the Waukee schools, and they're not going to host if they're right. know, at another location. So it's, it's going to be interesting. The states, that's kind of the big conversation, I guess, is, you know, should we go to higher seed, just host all the way through like the girls do? And it would probably take care of all that issue, you know, of unknowns, I guess. So. Well, this has obviously been a challenging season uh, for you guys with a lot of ups and downs. Uh, you had that great upset over number three, Waukee, on January 13th, which I don't think you know anyone saw coming. And then a few weeks later, you guys had a big lead over at number eight, Centennial, only to see the Jaguars come from behind for a two-point victory. And that was part of a five-game slide for your team. But you seem to have turned things around now. And if you guys can win two more games and get to state, I mean, nobody's really going to think about what your record is, right? <laughs> no, I, th I agree with you. I think that the postseason for us is the third season. You know, we break it down before Christmas and from Christmas on. And I think... Um, you know, from our standpoint, the postseason is the third season, and it's a completely different season. And your record is starts at zero zero again, and we're one and zero. So I think that's kind of how we break it down. And you know, it's just it's a race to the finish at this point. You know, and every team is that has peaked out earlier is going to start coming back to us. We kind of talk a lot about that, and we're trying to continue to move to our best basketball at that proper time. You know, and all those losses. Although they're, you know, they accumulated and it was frustrating, I think it's, it's built a toughness within our guys. They can handle that. They can handle adversity. And, you know, at the end of the day, some teams are just better than you. And I think you have to grow from that. And I think we have. And, I, and I'm excited to see what they're going to be able, capable of doing. Well, obviously, if you guys can get to state, you're going to be one of the lower seeds. I mean, you'd probably be matched up against a Cedar Rapids Kennedy or one of the Waukee schools, depending on, you know, how many of them uh, get to state. But I'm sure you guys would love that challenge. Absolutely. It'd be a dream. It'd be awesome. I mean, I don't know how many... At this point, I think we'd be about 11 wins. I don't know how many 11 win teams go and do any damage. So it'd be a, a you know challenge to, to put in front of them. We we have so many competitive people. When you look at Jameson and and Maddox and Carson Leo, these guys that have been in different sports and different successes and other things. Cash School and goes to state and state track high jump. I mean, it's just I don't, they're they're a really unique group of guys. That's taken a whole season to kind of bring them all together because of never played together before. So it's it'd be neat. I'd, I'd love to see them have that opportunity.
All right. Hey, good luck tomorrow night and the rest of the way. Brant, I'll see you up there. Thank you. Sounds great. All right. Listen to the Ankeny Fanatic Weekly Podcast, sponsored by Coldwell Banker Mid-America. I want to mention that MJ Properties is also a sponsor of the podcast. MJ Properties is also now the title sponsor of Ankeny Fanatic. They recently took over those uh, duties from Gershman Mortgage, and we appreciate uh, the support from MJ Properties, as well as the nice office out here at the Standard Building, uh, just behind the Come and Go off of uh, Northeast 36th. Uh, We enjoy the new digs out here. We've been doing our podcast here since about August and uh, have a nice office to use out here, and we certainly enjoy uh, the accommodations out here. And I should also mention that uh, from Coldwell Banker, we were going to have realtor uh, Cody Passa on uh, tonight. He was all lined up for uh, last night, but because of the weather, we had to uh, postpone the uh, podcast until tonight, and Cody wasn't able to join us tonight. But we'll have him uh, hopefully on the podcast uh, next week. All right, my next guest is a senior post player for the Ankeny Centennial girls team. And on Tuesday, she had 11 points, six rebounds to help the sixth-ranked Jaguars to a 35-32 win over number 11, Linmar Marion, in a Class 5A regional final. So the Jaguars punched their ticket to a third consecutive state tournament. She's Kennedy White. Kennedy, thanks for joining me. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Hey, you bet. Well, I wasn't at the game on Tuesday because I made the long trip uh, to Davenport to watch Anking lose a close one at North. But just from what I heard, you guys really had a hard-nosed defensive battle against uh, Linmar. Was it kind of similar to last year's regional final against uh, Sioux City East? Because that game was pretty low-scoring as well. Yeah, there was definitely a lot of similarities. I wasn't quite expecting it to be such a like defensive battle like that, but at least um, when we can't get it going too much on the offensive end, we have our defense to rely on. Well, yeah, all that matters is the W, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys really struggled with your shooting, uh, making just 30% of your shots and 25% from three-point range. Uh, you had a good night, though, going five for eight from the field. But was it kind of hard against the Linmar's defense, you know, to get the ball inside to you? Yeah, I think with the type of zone that they switched into, it was a little bit harder. And then with the backside help always there. But my teammates still found a way to get it into me. Well, now you guys get a rematch against a Waterloo West in the Class 5A quarterfinals on Monday at 11.45 a.m. at Wells Fargo Arena. Of course, the last year West defeated your team 67-59 to 59 in the same round. Uh, what was your reaction when you saw the pairings? Were you happy to get another shot at them? <laughs> Honestly, I was a little surprised, but I'm definitely excited we get to play them again and get to have a little rematch. I think we're definitely more prepared this time, and I'm just really looking forward to it. Who did you think maybe you were going to be mashed up against? Um, I wasn't sure. I mean, I just wasn't expecting, like, Waterloo West, but I guess, like, with the pairings, it did make sense. Uh-huh. With the rankings, right, of all the with top rankings, teams rankings, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we're just flips. Well, I think this might be the deepest 5A field ever. Uh, five of the nine teams from your conference made it to state, and two more teams, Ankeny and Waukee, nearly made it as well. But I'm sure you're not surprised by that. I mean, your conference is just really good, isn't it? Yeah, I think we have one of the best conferences in the state. It's a battle every single night, so... Well, two of the CIML teams that made it, uh, Southeast Polk and Valley, are the number seven and eight seeds. Uh, Southeast Polk has to play defending champion Johnston in the quarterfinals, and Valley gets the undefeated number one team in Pleasant Valley. Uh, But Southeast Polk just played Johnston to a five-point game at their place two weeks ago, and and Valley is certainly a dangerous team. So I kind of feel like this tournament is wide open. Would you agree? I would. I think it's very cool, the matchups, and I'm really excited to see how they all pan out. Let's break down your matchup a little bit. Of course, uh, West has two of the state's best players in Sahara Williams and Haley Polk. Uh, Williams is a five-star forward who has signed with Oklahoma, and she was recently named a McDonald's All-American. She had 33 points in the regional final against Waukee, and she had 24 in the win over you guys uh, last year. You know, she can pretty much do it all, but I I know you guys pride yourself on your defense. That's always been your MO. So I'm sure you're, you're looking forward to that challenge. Do you think you guys can do some things to kind of slow her down a little bit? Um, yeah, I mean, she's a very talented player, but I think now that we've been able to play them once, and Maya has played them before coming from Cedar Falls, so 
I think, yeah, just watching your film and knowing some of her tendencies and then the real game experience that we've had, I think we've found better ways to shut her down. Well, Williams and Polk are perhaps the best duo in the state. Uh, Polk is a point guard who has signed with Bradley, and she can either score herself or set up her teammates. Uh, she's averaging about 22 points and four assists a game, and she's made 63 pointers on the season. So even though I'm sure a lot of teams, you know, would like to say again on Williams and try to shut her down, I mean, you can't really help off of Polk, can you? No, yeah. She's also another very talented player. So I think, yeah, just um, sticking to really guarding those two, and then we'll have to see how the rest of them step up. Well, Polk had 21 points in last year's uh, state tournament quarterfinal. Uh, but the X factor in that game really was the post player, Sierra Moore. She had 17 points and 10 rebounds. And I just remember she hit some really big shots. And, and she's back as well this year. So, you know, they pretty much have, with that, with that trio, I mean, they pretty much have the same team as last year, don't they? Yeah. Um, she stepped up big last year. So we're making sure to not let that happen this year. Well, you had nine points and three rebounds in that game, but you didn't get a lot of looks at the basket. Uh, you went three or four from the field, and West does have a lot of size inside. You know, I'm sure you'd like to get some more shots in this game on Monday, but you, you kind of have to take what's there, don't you? Yeah, definitely. They Last year they had a really tall um, senior, so she would, added some good length to the team, but they still have it, so... Well, Cleo Murray scored uh, 23 points in last year's game for the Jaguars, but of course, uh, Cleo and Ellie Street, you know, have graduated from that team. Uh, you do have many of the same pieces back from last year's squad, though, and you have added another important piece in sophomore Maya Crawford, who you mentioned, and she did transfer here from Cedar Falls, so she's obviously you know, familiar with them. Uh, she's averaging about eight and a half points per game. She leads the team with 58 steals, and she's second on the team with an average of 7.8 rebounds. You know, she's she just really brought a lot to this team this year with her speed and athleticism, hasn't she? Yeah, absolutely. She is such an addition to the team, and she just adds such a dynamic and just brings so much energy it's it's really fun to be on the court with her yeah a lot of times when you guys have a shot go up it's kind of a battle between her and Jaden going for the offensive rebound isn't it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well with her and Jaden you know that gives your team two very athletic long and active defenders you know you guys probably aren't going to outscore a team like Waterloo West that averages nearly 65 points a game you know so, so you're going to have to rely on that defense to kind of keep them hold them down aren't you yes definitely trying to slow them down on the defensive end well, if you guys are able to pull out the win, uh, you would then play in Thursday's semifinals against the winner of the Johnston versus Southeast Polk game at 10 a.m. Now, I know Coach uh, has you guys totally focused on Waterloo West and for good reason, but I did want to ask you about the potential for that next matchup. Of course, you guys lost two close games uh, to Johnston, including one in overtime at their place uh, where you let a seven-point lead late in regulation slip away. I'm, I'm sure you guys feel like you let that game get away from you, and you'd love to have another shot at them, wouldn't you? Yes, I'd definitely love to have another crack at Johnston, and that would be exciting to play them or Southeast Polk. Again. Well, of course, last year, you know, Johnston just rolled through the tournament. They went undefeated to win the title. And, and even though they are very good, I mean, they're not quite at that level this year, are they? Yeah, no, I think they, they had all the components last year. And this year is definitely a different team, but they're still very talented. Well, obviously, you guys would love to make it to the championship game, which would be played on Friday night at 6 p.m. Uh, the other side of the bracket features the uh, number one Pleasant Valley. But I think the four versus five matchup between Dowling and Davenport North is going to be a great game, you know, after seeing the Wildcats play uh, earlier this week. Do, do you have any thoughts on the on the other side of the bracket? Do, who do you think, you know, will emerge from that side? Do you think PV has a chance to, to do what Johnston did last year and go undefeated and win it? Um, I think PV is a very good team, um, but I think it'll be interesting to see how they respond to playing a team from the CIML. I think that that'll be a great matchup, and it'll really test to see how um, <laughs> good they are, I guess. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if the CIML, you know, shows its strength again. I mean, it could have uh, four teams in the semifinals. That'd, that'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? That'd be amazing. <laughs> well, it should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, good luck next week. I'll see you down there. Yes, thank you. You bet. All right, you're listening to the Yankee Fanatic Weekly Podcast, sponsored by Coldwell Banker Mid-America. At Coldwell Banker, you're not one of many clients, you're our most important client. 
We listen to your needs to develop long-lasting relationships and provide the best services, professional support, and resources in the industry. We're constantly exploring new and innovative ways to elevate your experience and exceed your expectations. Our network of resources allows us to be the number one Coldwell Banker franchise affiliate in Iowa, guiding you home for over 30 years. All right, well, my final guest tonight is the head coach of the 10th-ranked Ankeny Centennial Boys team, and he has guided the Jaguars to a 14-7 record. His team will host Iowa City West in a Class 4A sub-state semifinal on Friday. He is Bob Fontana. Bob, thanks for joining me. How you doing? I'm doing all right, Dan. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Appreciate you coming in uh, tonight after we had to postpone uh, last night because of the weather. I know it's a busy week for you, but uh, got a lot to talk about. Uh, your team has had almost a full week now since you ended the regular season last Friday with a 53-46 to 46 loss at Johnston. What's been the biggest focus for you guys in practice this week? Well, I think, you know, first of all, just uh, we, we took a few days off um, last weekend. And then on Monday, we went very, very light and did a lot of shooting. And then us coaches uh, took off, um, five of us did, and we went over to Iowa City West to watch them against Cedar Rapids Prairie on Monday night. And then we just had a normal practice on, on Tuesday and Wednesday, and then we went pretty late tonight. So, Well, we'll get into Iowa City West here in a minute. Uh, but before that uh, Johnston game, you had dropped your previous contest at number three, Waukee Northwest. So you ended the regular season on a little bit of a two-game slide. Uh, your last win came at Southeast Polk on February 7th, which you know, it was more than two weeks ago. It seems like forever. You know, that doesn't seem like an ideal way to be heading into the postseason. Do you have any concern, you know, about not having a lot of momentum going going into the postseason right now, or is that stuff kind of overrated? Well, I, I just think you look at who we played, and our last four games have been on the road. Like our kids said, they said, geez, it seems like forever since we've been at home. Um, our last home game was against Ankeny, which will be, uh, what, uh, three weeks ago. Right. Um, so... Um, you know, we're glad to be at home and, and, um, you know, the, the two losses, uh, obviously Joaquin Northwest is a quality opponent and Johnston, um, I said this the last two or three weeks are playing like they were expected to play at the beginning of the season. And we beat them in that double overtime game earlier in the year. Right. Um, the other night against them, uh, you know, it was back and forth and, and then uh, we had that seven to nine point lead in the middle of third quarter, and then they outscored us nine zero. And it's anybody's ball game. It's tied up with four to go. And you know, um, I just thought that we had some uh, costly, untimely turnovers uh, in the half court, and they end up, uh, you know, making us pay for that. Um, but also too, and I, I don't know, we they we were not allowed to practice the day before and I know they practice and I thought we looked sluggish at times. So I don't know if that had anything to do with it. Um, but I know going in our kids' attitudes are great right now. Um, and they know what we got to do. We have to be very aggressive and, and, uh, physical on defense and the boards and we have to be very smart offensively and have good movement, uh, to beat an Iowa city West team. That's, that's uh, playing well right now. And their record's very deceiving. Well, how's your team uh, health-wise heading into Friday's game? Is everybody good to go? Yeah, you know, that's another thing, too, against uh, Johnston last Friday evening. Uh, Chase Shuddy wasn't feeling well, and he got worse over the weekend. He's better now. He's fine. And then Luke Winkle uh, had not felt well for a couple days going into that game either. So, uh, yeah, I'm glad that we got that out of our system. And so, you know, we're, we're healthy right now. We did find out on Monday that you'd be playing Iowa City West. Uh, the Trojans advanced with a 65-44 to victory over Cedar Rapids Prairie, and you mentioned that you and several of your assistants uh, made the trip over there to scout the game. So, so what was your impression of Iowa City West? Well, you know, they're, they, they're, they have some size and they're athletic. Um, they got some younger kids. They play eight guys. Uh, three of them are seniors. 
Uh, three of them are juniors, and then they have a sophomore and a freshman that they play. Um, but they, they've got a little bit of everything. They shot it really well against Prairie. They ended up with 10 or 11 threes, and Prairie was actually ahead at the quarter, and then uh, they were down by four. And then Prairie took a one-point lead, like uh, with uh, three minutes into the second half, and then Iowa City West just owned them uh, from then on. Uh, they scored, it was a seven-point game, and Iowa City West scored uh, six points in a matter of like 20 seconds at the end of the third quarter. Huh. And that was, that was a ball game there. So, um, yeah, so, you know, it's, it's going to be a tough task. But I, I know we're very confident that we can get it done. It's just going to come down to, like I said, being physical and being aggressive on defense and the boards and playing smart offensively with movement. And, of course, you got to make shots. Well, sophomore Jack McCaffrey had 15 points, 11 rebounds, six assists, and four blocks in that win. And if that name sounds familiar to you uh, folks listening, it should. Uh, he's the youngest son of Iowa coach uh, Fran McCaffrey, and I know some people have said that Jack could turn out to be the best of the bunch. You know, he's obviously the key guy that you have to be concerned about, isn't he? He is, and you, you mentioned his stat line. Uh, you know, the other night, they had very balanced scoring. Um, you know, the the Cook kid didn't score this, the first half, and he had, a, I believe, he ended up with 13 all in the second half. Uh, and, and a lot of those were corner threes. And then the uh, Brady Simcox comes off the bench. Uh, he had three threes. He can shoot it. Um, and then I think the freshman kid had eight or nine, which was all like off offensive boards and, and dump offs. But, uh, you know, McCaffrey getting 11 boards and, as you said, six assists, that, that's a nice stat line. He must handle the ball a lot to get six assists, huh? Well, you know, <laughs> what he does is he throws it in and he trails after made baskets and free throws. And then sometimes when he gets a rebound, he brings it up. Um, but, uh, you know, when, when you get a 6'8 guy and, and then some of their offensive sets, they will enter it through him. And so if he's getting the ball up the top of the key area and that, you know, he's, he's right there in the middle of the floor and he can, he can shoot it from there and obviously he can distribute it. So, um, yeah, he, he's a very talented kid. Well, he's got the same kind of size that Patrick does. Is he kind of a similar player to Patrick at, at that age? Um, yeah, yeah. He's, I, he, right now, as a sophomore, he's a little bit more filled out. Um, I, he's not. Um, I don't know as, when you compare him to Patrick. Um, you know, there are some similarities. Uh, this one might shoot it a little bit better from distance than mm -hmm. Patrick did. So, well, Jack averages about 17 points and eight rebounds a game. But the Trojans do have some other weapons that you talked about. Some of those guys, uh, the other four starters, all average around nine or ten points a game. Uh, the freshman you mentioned, uh, Julia Ma Julian uh, Manson, is one of those. Something I they certainly have some other guys who are capable of having a big night, don't they? Yeah, the the freshman kid, you got to keep him off the glass. That's a big thing with him. Um, you know, I think he's attempted eight threes the entire season. Um, so is he, is he a big kid? Uh, six four. Six four. Six four. And then the Earl kid, six four. Earl's he. he Earl's athletic. He, he'll look to drive it, and he can he boards well. And then uh, he's only hit seven threes for the season, but he did hit one of them the other night. But he's more of a mid-range guy or a guy who wants to finish at the rim. And then Cook is just a, a good spot up, loves the corner three. And like they, they, they played eight guys the other night, but I think in a tight ball game, they're probably going to be a six-man team. Well, there's so few common opponents between you guys and West, so it's really hard to make any comparisons. Uh, they, they beat Sea Rapids Prairie twice, and that's a team that you guys soundly defeated as well. 
Uh, the Trojans lost a close game at uh, Dallin Catholic on January 21st, and the Maroons are a team that you guys uh, split with, so I'm not sure you know, if you can take anything away from any of those results. But, but what do you see as the keys to this game? I mean, you talked about it a little bit, but well, what, I, what are you guys going to have to do? Number one key is going to be defensive transition because I tell you what, they, they push the ball well, and they, they push it after May free throws and, and uh, made baskets very well, too. Um, so, you know, we got to get back and get our defense set. And then I think, I think the second key is, is we got to, you know, contest shots and rebound. Uh, they're a very good rebounding team. They're going to send four to the glass. So we got to, you know, make sure we're, we're rebounding. Um, and I think that if we do rebound that we might be able to get some transition opportunities. And then, and then a, a third key, I think is we just got to make sure that we're playing very smart offensively and we have good ball movement. Um, and then of course you got to knock down shots. Well, even though you guys earned a first-round bye in the home court for the semifinal round that goes along with it, do you think there's any advantage for West in having played that game already? Because I mean, they probably got, kind of got the butterflies out, don't you think? Uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, they the in their last five games, they're two and three, and their two wins are against Prairie. Their three losses, though, are, are to two really good teams in Cedar Rapids Kennedy and Dubuque Senior. Uh, and then they lost a tough one against Cedar Rapids Washington, who's very athletic. Um, but, you know, I... You know, um, yeah, they got a game under their belt. You know, well, it is what it is. So um, I, I think we'll be prepared and ready. And our, I think our kids are chomping at the bit to, for the challenge. Well, yeah, you'd definitely rather be playing at home for sure. Well, you guys don't have a lot of uh, postseason experience, though. I think you have uh, four guys back from last year's team that played in the sub-state loss to Hoover. And I think two of them maybe didn't play a whole lot in that game. I mean, does that concern you at all, or is that, that stuff kind of overrated? No, I, I think we're fine. I, th I mean... I think if, if uh, you know, they, they've played um, 21 games, so um, if, if it was like, you know, they'd only played three or four games, then yeah, but now they've played 21 games, so I think they'll be fine and, and we're at home, so. Well, and playing the schedule that you guys played, I mean, playing teams like Waukee exactly. and Northwest twice, I mean, you've played the best teams that are out there. So. Well, not, <laughs> not only those two, but Valley, and, and there, there's teams in our league, I mean, that are very good, that don't have winning records. I mean, look at, you know, Ankeny and, and Dowling and Southeast Pokes playing well right now, and, you know, Johnston is, what, 500 or a game above 500, and um, you, you look at some of the scores, and we were talking about this at our all-conference meeting, some of us coaches were the other day, um, I think, don't quote me on this, but I think our non-conference record against other conferences and out-of-state opponents, I think it's like 41-6 and six or 42-7. and seven, Well, it wouldn't like surprise that. me at all, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, we're, we're battle-tested. Well, the winner of this game will play either uh, number 8 Cedar Falls or Dowling in the sub-state final on Tuesday. Now, the Tigers have won 12 of their last 14 games after getting off to a 3-3 three and three start, so on paper they would have to be the favorite. But you know how dangerous Dowling can be because uh, you beat the Maroons by 37 points early in the season only to lose the rematch over at their place about a month later. So, so do you give Dowling a, a puncher's chance to pull off the upset? Well, I think so. I think, you know, Dowling is um, sometimes when I look at their scores and they, it's sometimes similar to ours. You know, they'll play real well and win, and then sometimes maybe lose a game that you, you go and should we have lost that game? Um, but, uh, you know, and I'll, I'll go back to this too. I think it was the first five, six games of the season, they didn't have two of their guys. Uh, so, I mean, like, obviously they got those guys now. And, and so um, I, I think that, that it wouldn't surprise me if they won. Um, I think, you know, Cedar Falls will be favored. Uh, Cedar Falls has got a definite size advantage. Um, so, 
But again, Dowling's been battle tested, so. Well, if you guys are able to beat uh, a West, I mean, would you prefer to play Dowling on Tuesday just because it might be easier as far as a preparation standpoint? You know what, Dan, I, not to avoid your question, but it doesn't matter to me who we play. Um, I just want to win tomorrow night so we get that opportunity, sure. whether it's against Dowling or Cedar Falls. Well, if both home teams win and we get a Centennial versus a Cedar Falls matchup, do you have any idea where that game might be played? I mean, it seems like it would almost have to be Marshalltown, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, I, you know, uh, here's the thing. Uh, last spring it was decided that the number one seeds were going to have home court advantage all the way through. And it came up at our conference meeting um, that the state decided to go ahead and not do that and have neutral sites for the sub-state finals. Um, and that's fine. Um, but I would say that if it was Cedar Falls, uh, it could be Marshalltown. It could possibly be Ames, too, if they're not playing. Um, I don't know where else it would be if it wasn't one of those two places. Yeah. Um, uh, if they went to a Newton, I don't know. Um, I, I would think that it would be either Marshalltown or Ames. Do you think at some point they might go to a situation where they have the, the top seed host the game on the substitute? Yeah, they, they were supposed to, and the, the big concern was because they were starting to have trouble in maybe in, in some of the classes of finding people to host. Right. Um, I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago, we played Ames in the Substate Final. It was at Des Moines East. Right. And the Des Moines East AD told us that they were like the third or fourth school the state called to host that game. So, um, so yeah. Now, I know Marshalltown's been eliminated, so if, if it is us in Cedar Falls, I would think that that would be a likely site. Right. Well, I don't want to dig uh, too deep into Cedar Falls because we don't even know if we'll have that matchup yet. But I just want to get your quick thoughts on their personnel. Uh, they do have a 6'8 player, Dallas Bear, who is going to Augustana, South Dakota, and he basically averages a double-double of 20 and 10 per game. But I see he's made 72 three-pointers this season, so he's obviously a, a big guy who can step outside and hit the three, isn't he? Yeah, well, you know, he was a sophomore in their state turn last state tournament team two years ago. Or they were in state tournament again last year. They got beat by Prairie by one or two points. Mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, he, he played, he's played a lot on the perimeter. Um, and he still does some because they have the other kid that's six eight six nine Corbett Corbett yeah yeah so he'll play inside some and then they got a they got a football kid that's six five and a really stocky well built kid that plays in the post too so you know that that presents some interesting matchups and and potential problems when you got two guys six eight six nine and both of them end up on the perimeter with a six five guy inside so. oh yeah and and they got a really good guard that shoots it real well it's a sophomore too so. Yeah, they're, they're playing well right now. Well, I know you've been focused on uh, your own team, but I'm sure you're following some of the other sub-states as well. I was looking at the paths for the top four teams in Class 4A today, uh, Cedar Rapids, Kennedy, Waukee, Northwest, and Valley. Now, maybe you feel differently, but I was looking at the other teams in their brackets, and I think it's going to take a monumental upset for any of those top four teams, you know, not to make it to state. You know, would you agree, or, or do you see some potential sleepers in those brackets? I honestly, um, you know, Kennedy's good. Uh, they're they got four guards they've got an athletic three-man they got a, the big guy inside and then they've got uh, uh you know they got three really good subs coming off the bench so i mean they're solid i, I don't see anybody getting them uh Waukee, you know um they got to go through who lincoln and then um who's at the bottom of that bracket i can't remember off yeah top i can't remember off the top of that either but, but you know it, it's gonna take you know uh, it would be like a Villanova-Georgetown situation. And I know I'm dating myself, but I think you are aware of that. Oh, I remember that game. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it would be, have to be something like that for somebody to get Waukee. And then 
uh, Waukee Northwest. Um, I'm just trying to remember who's with them too. Um, but you know, uh, but I, the one that that could happen, and I I think it's dependent is if the Stinson kid is back for Valley and if he's healthy or not. Uh, Waterloo West, um, we we scrimmage them at Christmas time. They're very athletic, and they've had a nice year. I think they're 16 and five. Um, now maybe top to bottom they haven't played the schedule, but um, you know I think their athleticism could match Valley's athleticism. The one disadvantage they may have is, uh, you know, on paper is they don't have a big kid to match up with Valley 6'9 kid. Um, so, but, and that, that one right there would be, I don't know, if I was a betting man, I'd give him about a 30% chance to win. Well, yeah, I was, I was there when Stenson got hurt at the game at Ankeny a couple weeks ago, and uh, I know he has missed the last two games of the regular season. Yeah, he's certainly a big part of that team. I mean, if he, if he can't go, that's a, that's, could well, make a big here's difference. their thing too. They're playing a very athletic Waterloo East team tomorrow, so which you know you can't sleep on those guys either. So, um, but you know when you look at those top four teams, yeah, those are four really good teams. Well, Bob, if you guys are able to make it to state, I mean, and if all the top teams do make it, I mean, with where you guys are ranked and, and where teams would be seated, I mean, there's the potential that you could see your old school, Cedar Rapids Kennedy, in the quarterfinals. I mean, how would you feel about that? <laughs> That's interesting because one of my uh, former assistants, he called me Sunday night. We were on the phone for 50 minutes, and we are talking about Iowa City West, of course, and that, and then we got talking, and he goes, hey, you know what? And I go, I know exactly what you're going to say. <laughs> so we talked about that, and uh, uh, you know what? I just told him, I said, I just hope we can get there, you know, so. Well, that'd be a fun matchup for sure. Well, hey, good luck uh, tomorrow the rest of the way, Bob. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about the well, game afterwards. We will always <laughs> take luck, man. You bet. Thank you. All right. You've been listening to the Yankee Fanatic Weekly Podcast, sponsored by Coldwell Banker Mid-America. I want to thank my guests again for coming in tonight. We had boys basketball coaches Brant Carlson of Ankeny and Bob Fontana of Ankeny Centennial. We also had Kennedy White from the Ankeny Centennial Girls Team uh, to preview next week's uh, Girls State Tournament. I enjoyed the conversation with all of those folks, and I appreciate their time. I know it's a busy week. Uh, so come back uh, next week for another edition of the Yankee Fanatic Weekly Podcast. We're going to try to do one uh, maybe on Wednesday. Uh, if the Centennial girls win, we can talk about uh, their first round game and preview uh, Thursday's semifinal matchup. And hopefully we'll have uh, two boys teams that have qualified for state by then. Uh, so we'll maybe do another combination of boys and girls uh, basketball postseason uh, podcast. So come back uh, next week for another edition of the Ankeny Fanatic Weekly Podcast. <laughs>